Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Bowen-Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Danny? It's Blazer's Outsiders tonight, Tara. It is. We have a very special guest making his first appearance on the Blazer's Edge podcast. That is Blazer's outsider, Joe Simons. Joe, welcome to the show. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. Um, A lot of basketball knowledge on this Skype call right now, and... um, yeah, I just hope I can keep up. I have no worries that you are going to pass with flying colors. But because I did not want to be outnumbered by outsiders, I did call in one extra person to join us today. That is Steve DeWald, editor and writer for Blazer's Edge. Steve, glad to have hey. you. Hey, enjoying, enjoying this awfully cool day in September, which I believe Joe informed us was the coldest for a high ever in September in Portland. Yes, in recorded history. I think they said 52, which is... That's not normal. That's brisk. That's got to be 20 degrees less than what we're used to at this time of the year. I got to think. In any case, we're chilly. That hot, hot weather talk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's fall and the Blazers Media Day is right around the corner. In fact, it is Monday and some of the teams in the league have already started their media days. I think it's the teams who are going to be traveling for their preseason games in um, the international. Yes, yes, the international team. So has anybody watched any of the other team media days and had any highlights they want to talk about? Catching glimpses of Kyrie spouting off his nonsense about how he's going to protect Kevin Durant and then having Kevin Durant come up on the stage and tell him that he doesn't need to be protected. So that was fun. You stole mine. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, the dysfunction's already starting. Oh, that was this morning. So for uh, people who haven't heard it, so Kyrie came out and he did his 20, 20 minutes on. I thought it was good. Actually, I enjoyed listening to him talk about, you know, why he left Boston after he sat there and told everybody he was going to stay in Boston. He talked about family and about wanting to be around family and be close with people and having gone through stuff with his his grandfather. And I felt like he's really kind of trying to take on this kind of like he's going to be the dad for the team. And when he was talking about he was talking about how, you know, he's going to protect Kevin because, you know, Kevin got brought back too early and everybody knew it was too early. And he's just not going to let that happen. He's not going to let him come back until he is, you know, totally ready. And then Kevin Durant comes out and does his whole thing. (laughs) And they asked him, do you want to play Kevin's part? Oh, no, I just Kyrie closed his third eye and opened up his heart. And either way, I just want him to shut his mouth. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> just, I'm just so sick and tired of I, like him and like the, the Rockets had theirs. Harden got up there and talked about how he wishes people would just accept him for who he is. And the things he does makes him a creator. And you're just jealous because, you know, players don't do what he does. You wish your favorite player did. I'm like, can we stop being corny? Like, well, I, I no, thought, I mean, I, I think that's kind of how Media Day is set up. What do you guys think? <laughs> Danny, you love this stuff. Stop it. I mean, you're pretending like you don't. I mean, you may get annoyed at Kyrie and Harden, but this is what fuels you. These sort of terrible <laughs> sound bites and these experiences is what gives you life force, man. <laughs> Just speaking from a bit of experience here, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you love it. Uh, OK, Durant and correct me if I'm wrong, but Durant has already they've. The Nets have come out and said he's not going to play next season, right? That's been a statement they've made. For the most part, yes. They're, they, they're not ruling it out completely, though, are they? I, no, they're not going to say no, <laughs> yeah. but they're they're not going to put a timeline on it. Which, okay, because that's I was that's smart. I just found it if if he was not going to play, and it sounds like they're leaving that possibility open. God knows why, considering what happened. I find it kind of weird that he was involved in these media day proceedings at all, because right, Kevin Durant is not going to play next season. Wouldn't you guys be very surprised if you saw him actually on the floor? Like, what scenario occurs where he's actually going to play next season? Like, 60 games, 70 games in? The Nets are facing the Clippers, and they need someone to slow down (laughs) Kawhi Leonard. What's the worst that could happen (laughs) if I bring him back? 
god. Well, I think yeah, that's, that's spot on. <laughs> I think the the best part of it, though, like you were saying, Dan, is that after Kyrie goes on this whole thing about how he's going to protect uh, Kevin Durant, then Kevin Durant gets on and goes, "I make my own decisions," <laughs> and then, like, then I listened to the jump, and on the jump, they spun the whole thing as like. Yeah, the two of them are going to work together to like make sure that everybody's on the same page and that it's all right for Kev, you know, for Kevin. Okay, you know what? I have kids who have I've had to interview separately when there's like shenanigans going on at my house <laughs> and I had to make sure they got their story straight. <laughs> and this felt a little bit like that to me. Yeah, I mean, the when when healthy, the Nets are going to be this new like East Coast version kind of of the Warriors where they're going to have this giant media landscape pointing down on Brooklyn. And the national outlets, they're going to be nice to them. They're going to be favorable to them. Like crazy. Everybody's going to be buddy buddy and up to Sean Marks just like they did with Myers and Golden State. They aren't going to try to Find that controversy until it's a real lightning rod. So they're of course they're gonna come out and say, Yeah, no, they're gonna they're gonna work through this together and they're gonna give them all that positive PR right now to get it to cash in. Well, and I think it, it's another dynamic too, is where the Warriors really benefited for the Lakers from the Lakers being basically a dumpster fire during the mm-hmm. whole time. And now the Nets, same shoe with the Knicks, is they're you can put aim all that negative energy right at the Knicks and just <laughs> really cover the Nets positively. Yep. But also, is there really going to be <laughs> is it going to be difficult to find controversy going on with this team when your stars are Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? I feel like as soon as there's a bump in a road or even if there is success, right, who is going to be the man? Like, is Kyrie Irving really going to sit back and play second fiddle to anybody? I mean, nope. they won a championship in Cleveland with it happening, but it ended pretty quick after that. I just don't think you're going to have to work very hard to find controversy in Brooklyn. I think it will be entertaining it might not be as entertaining if you're going through it with the team (laughs) if you're a fan of the team it it could get a little bit rough i imagine but let's move on to another team that had their uh, media day and blazers legend mo harkless Uh, thank you (laughs) (laughs) who would like to uh reenact has everybody seen the photo has everybody seen the photo of mo extraordinary yeah yeah i've seen it that's the kind of thing you, you put up in a museum. Yeah. So somebody tell the whole story. Basically, um, uh, Mo Harkless was asked about whether or not he's been talked about the shot with uh, Paul George. And Mo responded that it was a um, – I can't remember what he said. but Sensitive it was subject. A sensitive subject. And then a reporter tweeted out a picture of the face that Mo Harkless made when somebody made reference to, um, you know, was it Patterson? Was it was Patterson yes. and the internal struggles the Thunder faced that was the undoing of the team. And Harkless shot him the meanest laid back side eye, side eye roll I've ever seen. It was I mean, it so was so good. <laughs> like I saw somebody on Twitter nailed it perfectly. They, they said, huh, I guess Damian Lillard's new name is internal struggles. <laughs> i mean yeah that that was i mean dame single-handedly dismantling westbrook brick by brick in a series literally making him switch off of him then hitting that shot over paul george did more damage to that team than any sort of internal struggle yeah and mo harkless didn't forget it for one split second. He oh, on, a, all the blazer in him came out in that picture, in that photo. And it's a, uh, it's going to be fun to watch and see how the Mo Paul George dynamic develops. Yeah. Most time in, in Los Angeles, maybe short. It could be pretty limited. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, any other highlights? What are you guys looking forward to um, with the blazers? I mean, it's, Gonna be it's probably gonna be pretty routine. Like, what do you think could happen that might be outside of the regular? I mean, well, I think that the numbers got to be the thing. I'm wondering is the the fictional number on Zach Collins's weight gain is gonna be my favorite <laughs> thing I'm gonna look for at media day because it's gonna be something ridiculous. Like maybe he found the imaginary 15 pounds Avery Bradley put somewhere uh, on the 40, 40, 40. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That means Zach probably gained fifty. So <laughs> that, that's always my favorite part of media. Day. We had Nasir on the show on Thursday, and the NBA height adjustment the situation. Oh, yeah. 
And I asked him, all right, I'm not trying to get you in trouble here, man, but who on the team is most likely to have their height adjusted? And he, without without even breaking a beat, he's like, my, my, sorry, man, my, my boy Dame, Dame Lillard. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, how, how low are we going here? Because I'm like, Dame's listed at 6'3", and he shot his eyes up and sat back in his chair and he like he's maybe six one, maybe six one. So Ooh. we're gonna see some adjustments in some heights. He goes, but he goes. Hassan's legit seven foot. Zach's legit seven foot. He said Ant may see that that dump that little drop down to six three, um, but he said he thinks everybody else for the most part is probably safe. I forgot I was gonna start off this podcast by having us all certify our height and stocking feet. <laughs> I'm gonna check in at five four. There you go. My official height. Anybody else? I got uh-huh. you. I'm 5'8". I'm 5'8 without <laughs> shoes on. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. That's my official height. This isn't, uh, no, this isn't something to be trifled with. No, just, just thinking back to Shane just working in 5'8 as many times as he could in about six seconds. And... Yeah, that's that's what he does. He's the funny man. Was that your height at the Combine? Or... No, that is my official height. Look, in some, in some nice Air Maxes, Tara... Uh, I can, and and maybe a little poof in the hair. I can get up to 5'10", but uh, those are my best days. All right, Steve, Dan, official height certified? Well, see, I'm a nice, I'm legit an even six foot, but like the whole thing about 5'11", dudes saying they're six feet makes me feel like a liar when I say it. So it's (laughs) it's been a rough three years since this became a phenomenon. (laughs) Is that how long are you... Is that when you well, became five eleven? I think that's when it like became a meme of like if if you're five eleven, you say you're six foot. But I've have always been legit six foot since like eighth grade. So it's been you know it all creeped up on me where I get a lot of eye rolls when I say oh, how. Yeah. <laughs> that's not in the last three years, honey. <laughs> it's been a long. You're you're not the only one. I I think I think it's been a long time. But I believe you. I've been you're you're a tall, dude. I don't I don't get to touch it. I'm five ten. Okay. I, I, that's that's just uh, I throw on the shoes. I get five eleven. That's that's as as much as I get. The the width makes me seem bigger. <laughs> we'll turn these into the league office. <laughs> <laughs> so about media day, I always I'm curious if you guys could ask a question at media day. What would you ask? Oh, <laughs> oh God! Hey Hassan, can you show us all the Snapchats that you don't actually send? Oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can feel Taylor just looking at you right now. <laughs> because, like, like have, you, have you guys been watching his Snapchat? Who's Taylor? Jim, Jim Taylor, Taylor. The, the director of PR for the Blazers. Okay. Uh, Son Snapchat, since he's got here, and really over, like, the last two weeks, and has he gotten settled in, in the Portland area? Um, yeah. Has been pure comedy. I mean, whether he's talking to teddy bears while he's watching Spongebob, uh, doing play-by-play by the for the deer in his backyard. I mean, it has been yep. absolutely unreal. My co-host of the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast, Cassidy, has been all over reporting everything that is going on on Hassan Whiteside's uh, Twitter and Instagram feed and his love of fish and his love of the outdoors and how much he is enjoying it here. So I'm I'm just happy about that. That's a good question, though. <laughs> how, about, uh, how about you, Joe? If you could ask a question, what would you ask? Well, this is kind of personal and dorky, but uh, Anthony Simons, I've noticed, is a little bit of a golfer. I see him post uh, Instagram videos and and uh, photos out at Top Golf. He may have liked one or two of my Instagram golf posts. No big deal. <laughs> I would just ask him to kind of compare golf in Florida to Oregon and like what are some of his favorite courses around here is he getting out does he go out with random people does he have like a set like internal group does he only go out with people he knows or does he just get out there and uh, and meet people I'm and- I'm curious especially at that age being so young I mean even for like those of us that weren't NBA stars at the age of 20 being kind of intimidating to play golf with random people I'd just be curious to get his thought on that you also want to know if he'll join your foursome I mean, that would be my roundabout way of asking him to play. I kind of start there and work my way up to There you go. That sounds like a good question to me. How about you, Steve? I think it would be for Zach because he, I was just kind of stuck. We were on the same flight to Vegas going down to Summer League. He wasn't playing, but he was going down. And there was, it was right when the earthquakes were happening. And we went to touch down 
and then we just pulled up like abruptly. Like we saw the ground and then they just circled Vegas for like 45 minutes. And I wanted to know how legit scared he was on that flight. And if he thought, you know, oh, we're about to be all on the news and because they wouldn't tell us what was happening. So like I'm thinking landing gear and we're and like, but I'm like, not going to die because Zach Collins is on this flight. So we're going to be okay. <laughs> And if we do, no one's going to even know I was on here. <laughs> so let him know that he was yeah. your beacon of yeah. hope. He was my hope. Wondering if your plane was going down. You're like, yeah. oh, Zach Collins is on here. We're going to be okay. Wow, you've got a lot resting on this young man's shoulders coming yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I was going to ask a question, I would ask, I don't know, maybe this is not a cool question to ask, but I would ask Damien if he thinks that Coach Stotts is underrated. What do you guys mm. think? I mean, because, his re- immediate reaction is going to be yes. I yeah. mean, he, he's good. Like of all the players around the league, how many teams have had the same coach now for more than five years? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you go through all of the stars, let's, let's go through the top 10 players in the league right now. Giannis, not the same coach. LeBron, not the same coach. Harden. Uh, how long has D'Antoni been there? Four years. Yeah. They've been together for a while. So that one's maybe Chris Paul's not on that list. Russ isn't on that list. And, and D'Antoni kind of unlocked Harden, but, I mean, too. Kawhi's not on that list. Paul George isn't on that list. Anthony Davis isn't on that list. I mean, you literally go through the top 10 players in the NBA. It's, what, Joel Embiid and Damian Lillard are the only two players that have had the same coach for five years? Well, I mean, but Stotts is just always on. It seems like he's always on the hot seat, and he's never in that conversation except at the very end of the year. And, oh, wow. You know, he could be he did it again. second or third coach, you know, get my third vote for coach of the year. I don't even did even get, you know, third votes for coach of the year. It just seems like he's never recognized outside of Portland for his accomplishments. And I like I wonder, is that just because we're so used? Is, is it because the chemistry is absolutely right? And so far, everything has been fine. But like, you know, even last year, or the year before, there were times when Coach Stotts was on the hot seat. And I'm just wondering, like. If there's ever going to come a time where people are just going to like let that go and let Stotts just be the coach of the Trailblazers without having a whole bunch of, you know, other stuff alongside of it. Uh, I I don't I don't think it's ever going to happen in this market until they win 60 games and they threaten for being a, a top two seed no doubt kind of a deal. I mean, who's the last coach that legitimately won coach of the year without having that kind of push? I mean, so people have been talking about Spolstra lately, about how he's underrated and he's so good. Okay, he has championships. I get Mm -hmm. that. He also had a player named LeBron James, you know, along with, you know, a pretty outstanding supporting cast. And he's still there. And I don't I don't see them. I don't know. I just I don't understand why Stotts doesn't get the recognition nationally. Honestly, I think the biggest part is it's Portland. I mean, I know we want to all have a chip on our shoulder about small market, this, that, and the other. But the only way these markets get noticed is if they have a true MVP candidate, a la Giannis. Like, Budenholzer isn't getting that love in Atlanta. Well, what's his – of course, then there's the coaches who get it who immediately get fired. So we don't want that to happen. No, no, <laughs> We no, no, don't no. want a situation like that. So you know what? I'm just going to back right off of, <laughs> of anybody thinking that Coach Dodge should be caught, uh, coach of the year. But I would like to know what Damien – thinks about that anybody else have anything to add about uh potential stories out of media day do you think Nurkic is going to be there i mean he's in town right i I would assume so he's been in he's been in a bunch of the pictures i mean there was the picture where he's doing the weight training with gasol so i would i would assume he's going to be there if they make him available i think it's probably like early in the in the day they probably do something like dame cj then probably nurk and let him get out of the like they they let him do his his pictures and stuff of what he can do for the the B roll stuff for the jumbotron for the season, and then they let him kind of get out of there and kind of continue his rehab. I guess when you guys when y'all were talking about uh, Kevin Durant being there, I I was thinking, well, Nurkic better be there at the Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. if they were going to keep him hidden. They would have done it to Steve's point. Like they're not going to release photos of him working out with Pow and having a meet cute if he wasn't going to be available at media day, at least for a couple minutes, because, you know, he's obviously going to get bombarded with questions about his health. And I think I think Dan's probably spot on where they get him in, they get him out. They can say he was there and then just kind of move on and get the rest of the players in there. 
I bet they put him on the podium and just let him go because he's so he's so entertaining. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so. Media Day this year will be the, one of the more interesting Media Days I think we've had in a while. Um, obviously, the speculation about what how Nurkic is doing. Everybody, you know, nobody's really seen him since the playoffs. Um, he hasn't really been all that active on IG like we typically see from him. He's just kind of hiding in the background a little bit, just taking care of what he needs to. But you've got Hassan. You've got Mario. Two guys that are definitely on the forefront of trying to int- introduce to Portland and kind of, kind of ingratiating themselves. Um, you, you're getting obviously the the national heat uh, around uh, Anthony Simons, so I think you'll see him get maybe a little bit more. But then you've also got some quieter guys like Anthony Tolliver, who and Powell, who probably just kind of like ah, I've done enough of these. I'll just kind of sit to the back, answer a few questions, and get out. Well, and, and Kemp. Kent Bazemore is another guy who gives a, an excellent Q and A, and in these mm-hmm. type of situations, like he's going to be someone I think Portland is going to really like. Like his in, introductory press conference was was one of the better ones I've seen in a few years, and and really for a media day, it's interesting. I know no one's going to talk about it, and they're going to give the lines of, you know, we got to earn every spot in training camp. But I mean, really, we have a good idea of what this starting lineup is going to look like and what rotations are going to look like, but. It, it really could change before opening night in a few spots, or at least how minute minute allotments go. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what we can glean from how the comments are coming out of a few of these guys. I would assume that Hazonia is probably going to get the most fun questions out of everybody, just sort of based on his performance on social media during the off season. Like he's already quickly become the darling of his team and hasn't even suited up yet, which is so Blazer fan-like. I just I just love it to pieces. So I would expect the best quotes to come out of Mario, and I think people will probably expect him to have the best performance. Yeah, I wonder if Media Day is going to be twice as long as it has been the last couple of years, because we've got so many players that people are going to really want to talk to, even just briefly. It's just, you know, should take a while to move everybody, move everybody through. Well, let's move on and talk about what we are feeling optimistic about steve put together a couple of roundtables for blazers edge over the weekend one talking about what are we feeling optimistic about and the other one talking about what we're worried about so i thought we could share our feelings on those two topics so who would like to start by telling us what you are optimistic about dan i'm gonna make you go first actually yeah (laughs) god um as anybody who can who read those can tell i didn't Feel anything out there? It's not because I'm not optimistic or I'm not pessimistic about things because I was not in town. So I'm sorry. Um, but <sighs> we've kind of highlighted this all summer, Tara. The my optimism mostly surrounds not necessarily players, but opportunities. Like there is a metric ton of opportunities at at, at hand here. How well they do or don't fulfill those things, I think you're going to be the biggest storylines of the season. So I'm optimistic that a guy like Anthony Simons can come in and develop a, a, a ton in this season. Uh, while we typically see growth from younger players in their third and fourth years under Stotts, the guys they give the reins to at a young age, uh, it's a short list. It's Damian Lillard. That's it. And if the staff thinks that Simons is ready to take a step to go from basically a non-rotation player to sixth or seventh man, that's a pretty healthy step. So I'm optimistic in that sense. Um, okay. The, the the rest of the optimism comes from uh, changing over what I think a lot of people consider to be stale. Um, that's getting Bazemore in, adding a little bit more offensive punch to the offense, right? I mean, adding that ability to knock down a shot. Uh, Hizonia coming in and being able to fill in for Evan Turner in that point forward role. I think it's going to be vastly different than the way Evan ran things. Uh, I think we're going to see some more creativity, and I'm optimistic at bare minimum that we're going to get some more dunks this year with Hassan Whiteside. All right, from your mouth to God's ears. (laughs) How about you, Joe? Uh, I'm kind of optimistic that Dame really gets into that MVP discussion firmly this season. Um, It feels like he was getting close at times the previous two seasons, but with the upgrade in the supporting cast, I really think Dame is going to have an opportunity to ascend to that next level. Now, this isn't to say that he's already not a top 10 player. I think he is, but I think we would all agree that he's not in that top you know, three to five player in the NBA. And I think 
the structure of this team, maybe not right away, because obviously a lot of new pieces and it may take a little bit of time for it to come together, Nurt coming back at the midway point of the season. But I do think that if you're just being optimistic about everything and everything goes according to plan, Whiteside steps in. He's an immediate impact player, you know, lives up to his full potential right away. Simons takes the jump. Zach takes the jump. Those ancillary pieces, Hazonia. Uh, Bays, they all come in and do their thing. I really think there's an opportunity for Dame to put together the kind of numbers that would get him in that MVP conversation, along with being toward the top of the Western Conference, which I think is a necessity for Dame to be part of that conversation. I don't think he has an opportunity to win it unless Portland is really in that top, God, I want to say two of the Western Conference. I think that's what it would take for him to really be firmly in those discussions. And if we're talking best case scenarios, we're talking optimism. That's where I would go, where Dame can really assert himself and become that top, top echelon player. Sounds good to me. I like it. See, I have optimism around me all the time, Tara. Between you and Joe, I'm surrounded by optimism. <laughs> You're welcome, so, Dan. So mad yeah. about it, too. I know. I know. It just it just kills him. How about you, Steve? What are you optimistic about? I mean, in the post I, I wrote about Anthony Simons, he's someone I've been big on since he's he's come to the Blazers organization after talking to some of the people at IMG, just about what he brought from a leadership standpoint to what he did as a player. But to kind of back away from that a little bit, since Dan touched on it, it's kind of a mix between both what Joe and Dan have said as far as I think there is going to be opportunities for Dame to be even better in pick and roll situations because he's never really had since Wes and Nick Batum left is really guys who can shoot from the corner, from the wing that can really open up that space and really let Dame's roll gravity really hurt you or let Hassan Whiteside's roll gravity hurt you. So I think he's going to have more room to work. He's already incredibly efficient in tight spaces and now you're going to give him space and on paper, give him someone who's better at finishing at the rim. So it could be really interesting. Like you said, that that's the type of metrics he's going to need to improve on efficiency wise to really get into that MVP conversation. And I think all the tools are there and this roster is equipped to put him in that position. I was watching a lot of Damien highlights over the last couple of days and man, that guy takes a lot of really tough shots I sure would uh, like it if that room, that little bit of extra room that he's going to have results in some easier shots. But maybe if he's taking easier shots, you know, people aren't as impressed as they would be, you know, to vote for him for MVP. But man, he makes some difficult shots. Yeah, I mean, look at just sorry, I was just going to say, look at all the, uh, you know, the promos in the offseason for the NBA, like every other one features the shot over OKC and the wave. Like those are the shots people remember um, that may work to his advantage and disadvantage when you're putting together a sort of MVP campaign. Like Dame has those signature moments that very few players have. So I think when you build those up, you know, winning an MVP uh, is kind of like winning an Oscar, right? You don't necessarily win it for the year that you're in unless you're having a spectacular year. Or you can sort of build a narrative over time. And I think Dame is starting to do that. You know, obviously he had the shot against Houston, the shot against OKC. That is fresh in people's minds. So I think people want to see that narrative pushed in Dame's direction. Anything to get it away from Harden. Mm-hmm. Did you just give uh, Dame the DiCaprio treatment right there? <laughs> Look, The Revenant's not a good movie, Dan. He's <laughs> <laughs> out in the woods with a bear for three hours. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) I am optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic about Hassan Whiteside until I see some reason not to be. Because to me, everything is falling into place for him to have a great year. He's in the final year of a contract. He's the center. And centers are not making a ton of money. And so he's got to do everything that he can to impress other teams so that they will invest in him. And it can't just be with stats. Like teams are going to be looking for guys who are good team players, good locker room guys, guys who, uh, you know, have the full package. And so Hassan Whiteside is going to have to demonstrate that this year. And he's got the easy situation to do it because this whole place is set up for him to succeed. It's not the kind of thing where everyone's going to come in and tear each other apart. It's like, this is your role. This is what we need you to do. And all he has to come in 
all he has to do is come in and do it. And then people will see, you know, that he can be that team player, that he can, you know, do it as a part of a collective. He can be part of a group that's greater than the sum of their parts. That's what everybody really just wants. So I am feeling really positive about Hassan Whiteside. And I cannot believe, like, everybody all over – I mean, I've heard people from all over the country talking about how, like, Portland's just such a joke because, you know, oh, Hassan Whiteside, they think it's going to work there. And I'm just like, have you not seen – what Portland has been up to for the last six years or however many years they've been, they've been able to make it work. But I just think all the pieces are in place for Hassan Whiteside to have a great year. And also it doesn't have, he doesn't have to do it forever. He has to be here for one year. We need him for the whole year. I believe that he will probably be here for the whole year because I don't know that uh, Nurkic will, I don't, I don't know that the Blazers center, uh, situation will be resolved completely by the end of the year. But in any case, even if he is with the Blazers for the end of the year, it's not like going to be a big surprise to him, you know, that uh, what, you know, he knows that he's here for one year and I don't know, it just seems like a perfect situation to me. And I think it's going to work out. Anybody the, have any problems with that? The The thing I worry about with that is we saw not necessarily last year, but the year before, with Stotts would bench Nurkic if he took plays off on defense or really didn't show the awareness that was needed. And he would, I mean, he would sit the, sit him in, you know, fourth quarters and really make him reevaluate what he was doing. And that, I mean, the same recipe is there for that to happen to Hassan Whiteside. And that'll go and, swimmingly. And that's, and that's, well, growth isn't easy. And yeah. So there's, I, I would be interested to see, where Hassan Whiteside has been on basically a max contract for three years, him getting the same treatment in that, in that way. And also there's the time crunch that you, you talked about is he's here for one year to prove himself. And if it gets off to a rocky start, I don't think Hassan Whiteside has shown that he's the type of guy who's going to take it in stride. Like I think he's the type of person who is going to, at least this is what he's shown getting, you know, whether it's losing minutes to Bam Adebayo or or not getting the shots he wants in Miami, he's not. He hasn't really shown that he's the type of guy who handles adversity well. So you have to really hope this gets off to a good start. Uh, are we on to the pessimism now? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a nice transition, Steve. <laughs> Realism. <laughs> no, he's gonna be fine. And if any, mm-hmm. you know, if he needs if he needs somebody to come in and talk to him, I'm happy to volunteer myself to, you know, just go and listen to him. If he thinks things aren't going well, we can just have a little conversation. It'll be fine. But Dan really wants to move on to the pessimism. Which that that article is still open, Dan. I'm not going to run it till Tuesday. So I know you want to get in there and add something. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I will then. So what worries you most? Uh the the, the counter to all those opportunities. Those opportunities are there because there's actual like vacant holes in the roster. Guys who were there are now ha- are, are gone. Um, having you know three fifths of your starting lineup be completely new. Uh, one of the guys is completely unproven as a starter. One of them has had issues in the past with attitude and and fitting in with the, with a team and a culture that's not a joke. Um, the Miami Heat obviously are a culture that are you look around the league is probably rivaled only by the Blazers. Um, and you've got Hood's kind of redemption story. Now, Hood's got at least the the background of being a starter and being a successful starter. Like, if you took Hood's starting numbers from the Utah Jazz and threw those on the Blazers at any given time, they would have outperformed basically every forward they've had over the past nine years. Like, that's that's something to, to be like, hey, just, okay, cool. But is he going to be that guy? Is he going to be allowed to be that guy? Um, he's on that short-term deal where it's kind of a prove-it deal where, in all likelihood, he's looking for a bigger deal. And that's why he came to Portland and Portland's had this, this reputation of rehabbing guys, uh, Cantor, Curry, Napier, uh, hood was a guy, you know, he waved his own bird rights just to get the hell out of Cleveland. Um, so do some of those issues, particularly for hood and white side guys who were looking for another deals where maybe they get a little number hungry. Uh, does that kind of fly in the face of the overall production? Uh, the, the other pessimistic or pessimist, viewpoint I think you could have right now is if, if there is an injury to the front court, good God, what happens? Um, if Whiteside goes down, your option for center is Pau Gasol. And listen, 
Powell's a, a heady player, but that's that's certainly a concern if all of a sudden you're going to have to play him a lot of minutes. The other option is you you start Zach at the five. And I know he said he's he's he, he's a five and he wants to play the five. There's questions right now about whether or not he's ready and capable to be a consistent starter at the power forward position. The center position is a whole nother beast. I think at the power forward, you can kind of shield him a few things and, and, and develop him in some, th- in, in some things. You put him at the center position, you're exposing him to downhill drivers all game, all season. And that's that's just terrifying of an idea for a young big. Like There's just not many guys who are capable of doing that second, third, fourth year uh, without having been a starter or having logged serious minutes. So those same opportunities that are there are as good as they could be. They could easily fly in, in the face of, of production. Uh, Anthony could hit a stumbling block coming out of the gates. And I think they're counting on probably double-digit production from him in, in the scoring department. Uh, if all of a sudden you know his shot goes south or he loses any bit of confidence, I think that becomes a problem. Uh, what if Hazonia is more Orlando Hazonia than the last, what, last 15 games we saw in New York? I, I think that becomes a problem because then you're looking at subpar production, even from, you know, what you got from Evan Turner. Okay. So okay. Okay. It's, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's, a, there there's a lot. And I want to give everybody else a chance to have something too. <laughs> so this is why you don't want me writing this, Steve. It's going to turn into a whole feature. <laughs> yeah. That's why I said five, five to six sentences concise. <laughs> so. Thank you for kicking us off. I'm going to give somebody else the mic. How about you, Joe? What worries you? I guess just the uh, 2019 in general. Um, <laughs> I uh, no, really, because look, I I think this comes together in one way, shape, or form by the All Star break. If the starting lineup, the rotation, certain people's roles, if that's not ironed out early, I'm pretty confident that it will be at some point in the season. Like I think, under the worst case scenario, this team is still a playoff team somehow. But I do worry, kind of going off of what Danny said, you know, if Simons has some issues out of the gate, if Zach is getting in foul trouble all the time, what does the starting lineup actually look like? Is it what we think it's going to be, or do they go somewhere else? Like, on the flip side, I mean, this is obviously a great problem to deal with, but what if Hassan Whiteside is an absolute monster, right? Say Hassan goes crazy, and Nurk is coming back, and he's starting to come back, and Hassan gets a mindset of, I'm the man. I'm the starter on this team. Like, what if we have to deal with those issues? Like, just having such a completely different team than you had last season, aside from, you know, the Dame and CJ and Zach and Anthony and Rodney and Nurk when he comes back. There's just so many unknowns with his team. And ostensibly, it's a better roster. But I miss my warm, comfy blanket of Mo and Chief. Look, <laughs> it was very comfortable for me to sit there and watch Chief dribble the ball up and down the court like crazy, Mo play some defense, be a little surly sometimes. I was used to that. I knew how to deal with that and process those emotions. These guys are all unknowns. I mean, Bayes, Mario, we hope they do certain things, and we hope it's the best-case scenario. But until we actually see it on the floor, um, I'm just a little worried about 2019. All right, 2020 will be fine, though. I think so. Yeah, I I really think I mean, right under the worst case, this is a playoff team. I don't think anyone is thinking this team is going to be like the ninth or 10th seed in the West. Obviously, it's still be very disappointing to just sneak into the playoffs. But even if it starts off bad, Nurt comes back at some point, you can kind of build some momentum to the playoffs. Like there's still a narrative you can have, even if they get off to a rocky start, if they start like. I don't know, 14 and 15 or something like that. They get off to a rocky start. You can still convince yourself that, okay, things will be fine when Nurk gets back. You can, you know, Simon's maybe having a good season. There's little kernels that you can pick from. Um, But yeah, just maybe they get off to a hot start. I just think it's more likely that there are some growing pains with such a new roster. Okay, well, see how I let you end with a little bit of optimism there. I made you a little sandwich there. I like that. (laughs) How about you, Steve? Um, Dan touched on it a little bit at the very start of the podcast, as far as, you know, there's very few guys that have had the same coach throughout their entire career. And Dame is definitely on the top of that list. I I think it's been kind of lost in the fold of the roster turnover, but I think the exit of David Vanterpool is going to be missed. Like if you've watched blazer games for the last, since Dame's been here, really the first guy off the bench to come to Dame when he heads back to the sideline is Vanterpool. 
He is the whisperer. He is the extra set of eyes that Dame has had his entire pro career. And this isn't a slight to Nate Tibbetts, who got the promotion, I think, and, and Vanderpool is now with the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, Tibbetts is an excellent coach, too, but there was a, a real connection between Vanderpool and Lillard, and there is going to be a learning curve when it comes to that. I, I think Dame obviously is a professional and will adapt, but I, I think there will be. I think the, he will notice there's a void there at some point early in the season, and there will be some time to compensate for that. You know, the thing that that I am not – I have a topic that I'm going to talk about and things that I'm worried about, but this is and this is not it. But one of the things that I've noticed over the years is Dame really takes it hard when players leave or when people leave. And it's been a while since he's had so many hits all at once. So he just, it's not like he, you know, suffers or whatever in terms of like his play or anything. But you can tell that like when his guys move on, he really, really misses them. And I think there's going to be points where he really, really misses his guys, like his coach that he was used to for a really long time. Or like Myers. I mean, when I was watching all of those highlights, Myers really protected Dame a lot on the on the floor and those two just were connected when they did they didn't play a ton of minutes together but over the years they got real used to each other and they were real connected so yeah I think that's a that is a thing is that Dame is gonna miss some people okay but I did have one thing that I was that I I am worried about and so y'all know how much I like to meet um and a, no, a, Tara, please tell us. <laughs> and I, but knowing that, you know that I understood why he's gone, why they replaced him with different players. But now I've been sitting here watching and looking over things, and I realize that Aminu and Harkless played together a lot of minutes for a really, really long time, and they had that three and four figured out. And now we're going to have... Collins and Hood come in and they've barely played compared to those guys. They've barely played those positions together. So I'm concerned about how they are going to come together. And what I wanted to, I wanted to know if you guys think like how it might look different with Collins and Hood versus Harkless and Aminu. And just to like put it into perspective over the last, like, so last year, Aminu and Harkless played 1,100 minutes together. The year before that, they played just over 600 minutes together. And the year before that, they played 1,500 minutes together. And Zach and Rodney have played 236 together. I hate to tell you this, Tara, but you're going to see the one thing that you that you hate the most. What's that? A lot of people running into each other. The The, the Hoko front court is going to be uh, going to be an adventure. I think, you know, one way or the other, I think they're going to have some, some big nights and I think they're going to have some rough nights. Uh, I think the, the, the point that you're hitting here with the baseline you get from, from, or you got from Harkless and Aminu within to Joe's point, like it's the comfy blanket. You know what it is when you got more than that. It was like, yeah, but now you're talking about integrating two new guys and who don't have, like, at least if Aminu and Harkless hadn't played with each other in times, they, they had that familiarity over years. So these are two guys that, mm, nothing? Crickets? I, I, I'm more concerned about why not go Coho instead of Hoko? We could have had a whole fish theme you know, like, and then okay. just got it, got it okay, all screwed fine. up. We'll go- I just went with Hood Collins. All right, you're right. Let's go with Coho. They, there we go. Something's fishy. It's, it's fishy going on. There you go. <laughs> That's great. Patent that. <laughs> wow, I'm not even I'll, worried anymore. I'll send it off to Amara. We'll get it done. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, that, my problem is solved, so never mind. I'm, I'm <laughs> Coho did it for now. you? You know, but it was funny because I, I was thinking that uh, Rodney Hood has a little bit of that chaotic butterfly possibility to him, I think. Like, what are his fast breaks like? Is he going to give us a thrill occasionally? There, like, there are adventures in fast breaks like Aminus, yes. He's got a tight handle, but he, for a guy his size and his length, he he does things finishing-wise that makes you go, well, well why did you do that? <laughs> you know, so... Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll just every time he gets on a fast break, we'll call it a salmon run. 
No. <laughs> no. See, we had a beautiful thing that was no. created, and Danny took it and put his spin on it, and here we are. We're so close. <laughs> right. Well, guys, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, I don't know if it was as much as a you know a full on Aminu fast break from one end to the other, but we covered a lot of ground. Anybody want to add anything else about hopes and dreams, fears, worries, optimism, or should we just go ahead and wrap it up? I, I don't. I don't want it to sound like I, I'm like scared for this season, because that's that's not the case. I just think that there are a ton of opportunity challenges and opportunities, and how they meet them. Like it sounds corny, but that will define their season. And uh, I think for the first time in like what's been like four years, five years now it's actually kind of nice having some questions coming into the season because we knew what the, the bars were for guys, at least in theory. And now the, those bars have kind of been, you know, they, they've been erased. We don't know where those, those sliding scales seem to fit for each player. And I think that's going to be interesting. Um, it could be amazing. It could be terrifying. I think that's the, the, the one of the coolest parts of the season. <laughs> Well, we started a uh, 2020 season playlist, Cassidy and I did, for the What Podcast. And last week, Dan added a song. That you didn't see coming. Phil Collins. Yeah, I still don't understand where that one came from. Uh, So Joe and um, Steve, if you could add a song to the Blazers 2020 playlist, what would you add and why? Uh. So this one is especially for Danny. I'm I'm so happy you asked this question, Tara, because not only is this song topical, but it is for our own Damian Lillard, who I would consider to be a bad guy. So we're gonna add Billie Eilish's smash hit. Oh God, bad guy, which is a phenomenal song. I don't. Son, Dan has a has like a weird like distaste for all Billie Eilish music. He won't even call it music. This is one of the most popular songs in the United States of America, Danny. The kids love it and so everything is wrong with this country, right there. Dame will will love it. I think it's 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 got like a low energy that kind of just like it's it's definitely like the start of a playlist song. It needs to be at the top. It's not like a hammer or towards the bottom. It's just kind of like gets you thinking like, oh what is this beat? What am I doing right now? Let's let's get it going. I'm excited. So Billie Eilish bad guy. The mess up part is like well with... see you standing up dancing while you say that. Yeah, I can feel it. Yeah. Are you feeling this? Yeah, I little... was literally dancing while I Yeah, did I know. <laughs> it really doesn't sound all that different from in the air tonight. So uh-huh. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa. Where is this Phil Collins hatred coming from? Steve, would you like to add a song to the playlist? So, so I'm going to go throwback route. I think it's, you know, in, in the Northwest, we only get so much attention we can kind of be silly up here and no one's really paying attention to what exactly is going on so i'm going to put you can call me al by paul simon as my addition to this because you know sometimes we're short of attention got a tiny little attention span up here so i I think that's what i'm going to go with here because song just puts me in a good mood and until nurkic gets back and i know everything's going to be all right i think that's what i'm gonna i'm gonna go with all right, right on. I will add those two to our playlist. The All right, guys. Playlist ever. <laughs> it's on YouTube, so you can see the videos to go along with them. Good. <laughs> so let's go ahead and share your social media handles. Tell people where they can find your work. Do you want to go ahead first, uh, Steve? Um, yeah, you can find me at Blazer's Edge. I'll be doing a lot as the season's rolling out. I'll have some position previews and some and their random musings after uh, Media Day gets wrapped up tomorrow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Steve D. Hoops. Um, yeah, and if you have a question or anything you want to reach out, uh, it can easily get turned into an article, so please reach out. <laughs> awesome. How about you, Joe? Uh, you can see me next to the beautiful Dan Morang after every Blazers game this season. We're going to be on after Jordan and Michael on the post-game show. We will not be on Facebook this season, so if you're one of the loyal Facebook fans, I'm sorry. Lord Zuckerberg decreed that we can no longer do it. So find us on Twitter. I am at Joe Simon Says. You'll see a lot of uh, lukewarm takes about Wes Anderson movies and some occasional Blazer stuff. (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of takes coming out of that account recently. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. you. You've been noticing. 
<laughs> yeah, you've kind of been stepping it up over the last couple of weeks. A lot of like new profile pictures. I say the takes well, and the new headshots. Joe was very excited about it. There was like a deep cut bottle rocket take I saw on there with the with the Mavericks trio. I, that was deep. Thank you. Yes, those are the those are the Wes Anderson takes that the uh, the people come for. You know, Tara, with the hot takes in the uh, profile pictures, I would say the Chardonnay drinking has also been up to the last few weeks. So that's probably what that is. <laughs> you get some of that fiftieth uh, anniversary Adelsheim from uh, for the for the anniversary season. You know what? I'll take any bottles anyone wants to send me. I, I can uh, <laughs> leave my address in the comments of the uh, podcast Perfect. posting. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Okay, well, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can find also the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. You can find the Blazers Edge podcast on any of your places where you find podcasts. Please go and subscribe and give us five stars. We have, Dan, we never asked for five stars. So I think we're coming with our our hat in our hands asking for five stars. Yeah. Okay, so that's how you can find me. Go ahead and take us out of here, Dan. All right, folks. Uh, you can always find me on all forms of social media at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. And uh, Joe kind of let the cat out of the bag there that I was going to. Um, Joe and I made a contract official, and the uh, overlords at NBC have deemed us worthy of another season. So Joe and I will be back for unbelievably <laughs> the third season of Blazers Outsiders. Uh, we will be doing the post game show. We uh, might make some appearances among some other stuff, but yeah, we will follow uh, Michael and Jordan on the post game show. And we will now have a full hour on the post game show with Joe and I, uh, other than that, thank you guys, Joe, Steve for hopping on. I know Joe, we've uh, tried to get you on for a while, but I'm glad you could, you could, you know, grace us with your presence. I wanted to share the gospel of Joe. A pleasure. Thank you so much. Do- I just want you to do all the talking for us, Joe, because your voice is incredible. Oh, don't don't give him that. Hey, don't give him a that. real professional. Have me on any time. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. I'll have you on. We'll have you on again. All right, guys. Thanks again for joining us. We will talk to you later and go Blazers. <laughs>